welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we are analyzing aliens in short, controlled bursts. I'm John Engel. And I'm Tom Taylor. And today we're here to talk about Minute 56. And Minute 56 begins with Gorman directing the troops to proceed inside the weird alien habitat they've found. And it ends with Frost noting that it's hot in there and Hudson agreeing. Yeah, and so that is everyone out there listening to us. That is Indiana Jones Minute's very own Tom Taylor. That was a weird sentence that I just spoke. <laughs> but it's going gonna, it's gonna to have to thing too. I'm the property uh, of Indiana Jones Minute. Property of Indiana Jones Minute, copyright 2017. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tom is going to be my guest host all week this week. Thanks for coming on, Tom. Oh, I'm having a ball already. Thank you for having me. And we also have a guest, of course, like we always do, but this time it's a very special guest, even more special than any of the other special guests we've had, and that's Joe Mazel, our partner from ABC Devo. Thanks for coming on, Joe. Hey, thank you for having me. I thought you looked familiar. <laughs> yes, I <laughs> did. Yes, his name, J-O-E. We see it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's we got the ABC Devo crew together, Sans Pete, but he was on last week, so he he kind of, you know, he he had he ran point for you guys. He was the Vasquez of this particular Alien Minute uh, <laughs> crew. So I feel safe. came in guns blazing, and everything is safe for us to discuss aliens now. Awesome. All right, well, Joe, Joe, you've been on a, a minute by minute podcast. You've been on Star Wars Minute before, haven't you? I have in the, the, the very early days. I think it was on, you know, it might have actually been the 56 to 60 uh, gap. <laughs> Whoa. So this wow. is my sweet spot. You specialize in 56 to 60 minutes. <laughs> uh, that's good. Well, then you should be perfect for this week. All right. Well, okay. Yeah. So we're, we're mid infiltration of the alien tableau, whatever weird hive thing that they're entering. Uh, we just had Gorman defer to Ripley's expertise for the first time, asking her what she what this is that they're seeing, and her responding, "I don't know," because she's never seen this before either. Right. Which is mm-hmm. which is rather daunting when you think about it. When your expert doesn't know what's going on, you think that you might want to take a second and consider whether or not to move forward. Maybe confer with your sergeant. Maybe talk it over. With the troops, but instead, Gorman says, ah, just get on in there. Just go on in. Yeah. So I guess that's Gorman's style of, uh, of command. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah, what's the worst? It's, <laughs> it's the most alien thing I've ever seen. Uh, whatever, just go on in there. Now, do I, forgive me if you discussed this last week or anything, but uh, I know that uh, there's the Dallas scene in alien that was cut out where ripley finds him in his cocoon and stuff yep did that i forget if that scene uh had this kind of uh alien you know environment around it when she found him there i don't think so now i'm just trying to pull from memory i don't think so because she comes she's going up the or down coming down the ladder way right yeah and she comes to that section of the nostromo Mm -hmm. and I, all I really remember is that section of the wall or like the, the corner of the roof and the wall where the roof yeah. and the wall meet. And that had all the cocoony, like nasty, resiny stuff. Yeah. But I don't remember there being a whole structure. I could be wrong, though, because I've only watched that scene a couple of times that I can remember. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think this is I think this is more of an original mm-hmm. um, creation here for aliens. 
Yeah. I like the idea that they're interior decorators. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that they crash in a place and make it their own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, wouldn't you? I mean, what, are you going to live in this, like, human habitat if you're this xenomorphy thing? No, you make it your own. You make it. You make yourself comfortable. You turn up the thermostat yeah. a little bit, apparently. Exactly. You take a cold, dark interior and turn it into a weirdly hot, dark interior. <laughs> kind of similar, but more alieny. And uh, a pwn uh, informs his uh, the the people under his command. Uh, watch your fire and check your targets. <laughs> Which seems to me would be the very first thing they would teach you in Marine school. Yes. Be like the baseline <laughs> thing that you should keep in mind at all times. Like before they even hand you a gun. They're like, I'm going to hand you a gun. But when I do, watch your fire and check your targets. Like, just don't go nuts with this thing. The first thing I thought of was that they probably went through training uh, sort of in the style that Marge had to go through when she became a cop on, on The Simpsons, <laughs> where... You know, you're going through this environment and little bad guys pop up and you shoot them and then ladies with babies pop up and you don't shoot them. Oh, yeah. Right? That was immediately what I thought. I was like, well, they've been through this before, surely. <laughs> right. <But> also, <laughs> these guys these guys have shown a bit of jackassery, you know? So maybe Apone feels like he's got to remind these people. Of yeah, stuff. maybe. And yeah. maybe a couple of them have been trigger happy before. I don't know. But yeah, he says specifically we're, we're looking for civvies in here, so... Yeah. Make sure to watch your fire. But that means that they're really ready to start firing, too. Like, the fact that he says that right away is like, wow, they're ready to pull some triggers right. pretty quick in here. They are uh, combat-happy Marines. They are. <laughs> they they're are. ready. They think they're ready. They think they're ready for anything. Yeah. <laughs> but there we, you know, clearly they're already starting to see things they've never seen before. And maybe he's worried about that part, too. Maybe the fact that it is such an odd environment, something he knows none of them have seen, He's worried that they might be just a little bit nervous. So uh, maybe that's part of it, too. I don't know. Yeah. And it could be that, well, I was going to say maybe it's that uh, they've been through enough of this place and found nobody alive except for Newt. That mm -hmm. maybe they're, they're, they've stopped expecting to find anybody, even though they are on their way to, like, find all these, you know, they're tracking all these supposed colonists. That's why they're down there now. So, uh yeah, maybe the audience does need a reminder, like, hey, this, <laughs> people might be alive. They're expecting to find people. Well, uh, so, audience, watch your fire and check your targets. Well, you know, the fact that you bring up Newt actually reminds me that uh, a little girl did go running across them, and they did fire at her. So. <laughs> that is true, yeah. They were <laughs> not watching their fire or checking their targets. Exactly. So I guess... very cool elementary school correctly. You have to remember, little girls are very dangerous. They are. They can be, that's for sure. And I suppose Drake had had those memories in the back of his mind too, <laughs> firing that yeah. mini gun at her. Yeah. So I, I thought there was a nice little moment here, a little character moment when you're, they're kind of in, you know, I guess you'd call it a close up. It's kind of a wider close up or a medium shot of Vasquez entering into this little cocoony area and, mm -hmm. and giving a little look around. And she's, of course, she's Vasquez. She's too badass. And she's looking around soberly, surveying the area. And then she kind of walks out of the shot as Hudson walks into the shot. Yeah. Like, saucer-eyed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty terrified, pretty tweaked out looking Hudson. It's a nice little juxtaposition between the two characters that you know, we're going to see illustrated more and more as the movie goes on. The difference oh, yeah. between these two. 
but we already we already know the difference between these two somewhat. But here we're getting she's entering this area that we've never seen before that she's never seen before, and she's keeping a lookout. And he's like, "What the fuck's going on? What the fuck are we doing? Should we be doing this?" Uh, that was yeah. a nice little moment. Yeah. In my notes, is a lot. It is basically Bill Paxton is great at being stupid. <laughs> he, he really <laughs> is. And he was very such a smart man too. So yeah, it says a lot about uh, his acting ability. Yeah, he and he's really, played a share of smart guys. He's played some smart guys here and there, like the yeah. two lies. That guy was pretty smart, right? Maybe yeah. not. Maybe I'm not remembering that correctly. <laughs> but uh, no, he, he has, has a simple plan. Smart. He's a bright guy in a simple plan. Yeah, sober, oh, yeah. although he did kind of bungle up a simple plan. To, he to did. Quite frank, yeah. It was, it was a simple plan. <laughs> <laughs> um. No, I was, um, I, I'm blanking on her name. The one who grabs the uh, secreted resin and sort of snaps it off. Dietrich. Oh, sure. Okay. Dietrich? Yeah. Really? Dietrich. Yeah, that's her name. Oh, son of a He guy. is the medic, right? Secreted yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, you did get a briefing, remember? Yeah. He <laughs> did tell you about these things, but. And also, haven't they witnessed the effects of, like, the acid blood? They've seen, like, holes going through decks of the base and everything. So, like, I wouldn't. You know, Apone says a second later, like, don't nobody touch nothing. And <laughs> yeah. she's already, like, grabbed this, you know, sopping, gross thing that, for all she knows, could be more of that alien uh, acid stuff. She just kind of grabs it. Yeah, you, but the thing I was going to say was that it's kind of a goofy line to have someone say that, oh, it's some kind of secreted resin. But it works because it's Dietrich, and she is the, the basically she's the science officer mm-hmm. here. Like we know yeah. that she's the medic because she was checking Newt out and cleared her medically. So she's yeah, she's little bones, a little Spock. <laughs> so she's the of anyone. She's the one that's going to be the one that says this is some kind of secreted resin. Yeah, and maybe she knows enough about it to know that it's well, it's not probably going to be the acid, or it wouldn't be. Like, uh, uh, it wouldn't be solid, you know, or something, you know, so I, I don't know, but I think, I do think the Hicks line is a little corny. It's a little oh, horror yeah. movie. So it's kind of, it works okay like that, but he's just trying to say like, this is so mysterious, you know, it's like, it's kind of not man. <laughs> right. if you're, like listening or paying attention thus far, which he kind of seems to be the only one that really was. But I think yeah. that's what, I mean, I, I kind of get that somebody, Nobody has to say that line, but I get why somebody says that line, like secreted from what. But I kind of wish it wasn't Hicks because out of anybody, he's like, he's the guy who wouldn't say that. He's a little brighter than, I don't know if he's brighter than him, but he's, he's less, uh, I have a hard time with a lot of these Marines. And you've talked about this a little bit before on the show. Like just, there's a lot of just the over the top, like, you know, bohunk just military like let's punch each other in the face you know rock and roll stuff and like like no yeah. one can just say a straight sentence like it's all got to be like adios muchacho and zippo and all this stuff and like nobody has to have a little, like, yeah nobody touched nothing yeah that's a double negative a point someone's gonna touch something and it's on you come on man the little thing we call the english language he's a sergeant he's supposed to be able to communicate yeah come on how are people supposed to understand anything um, but yeah, so I kind of wish that, uh, Hicks weren't, wasn't the one to, uh, to deliver that kind of hacky line. Yeah. It does kind of seem like it, it would be Hudson, but you know, it's kind of funny because we'll talk about this more as the week goes on, but there's a lot of lines that are shuffled around from script, even into the novelization. And then what the people that end up actually reading them in the movie, they oh, end weird. up being different people all the time. It's kind of strange. It makes you think 
that perhaps the actors shaped what Cameron thought, you mm. know, the lines should be like, as opposed to, you know, he had now, yeah, there'll be this guy, it'll be that guy. And then the actors themselves said, you know what? It really fits you more now. So how much they shaped their roles mm-hmm. could have played into how many lines they got uh, or what specific lines they got. But to me, this is not a Hicks line. This is not yeah. what I would consider to be a Hicks line either. He does suddenly seem to be a little bit, you know, kind of holding the dummy stick a little bit here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And he's the one guy who hasn't yet. He, there's, 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 there are very few moments from Hicks where I'm like, ah, oh, come on, Hicks. Just <laughs> be real. Yeah. I do love, and this is going to be, this is true for all the minutes that you're, you are kind enough to let me guess that. I love the diegetic thump. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. It really builds the suspense nicely. Totally. Are you, you're talking specifically about the tracker? Yes, the tracker. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, boy, the tracker is just one of the more, we talked about it a lot, about how it's one of the great suspense engines ever created for film, and how it's been ripped off you know, incessantly for 30 years now, <laughs> but it's, it is so perfect. And, and, you know, there was a lot of heartbeats in alien as well. They were different. They were, they weren't as di- Sometimes they were diegetic, like inside of mother, you get like the breathing, like the huffing breathing of the air coming in and yeah. those kind of things. But the non-diegetic thumping that was just under the surface on the soundtrack mm-hmm. was there. So it's something that, was understood, you know, maybe if James Cameron he had never seen another movie, he caught, got that from Alien, you know, like he, yeah. probably, he got a lot of things from watching Alien and then changing them to his own or, or homaging them uh, <laughs> in Aliens. But, but this is one of the most brilliant. He, and it's so much more innovative. Like the tracker that we get in Alien is pretty like every, it's always, we found it cons- like very funny that everyone had so many doubts about it. <laughs> like whether it would actually work. Like Ripley's like, yeah, my ass, this thing works. Right. Yeah, because it's kind of seems like it wouldn't work. Now, this thing seems like a really well thought out piece of machinery. And yeah. then using it as a suspense engine, like, well, we trust that if there's a sound um, beeping on this thing, that that means something's close. And that's going to raise your heartbeat a little bit as an audience member. So it all kind of works together in a perfect way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we go... After they've been looking around, talking about secreted resin, Hicks says his thing. We go back into the APC, and we get a line from Burke, right? Where he says, uh, busy little creatures, aren't they, right? Yeah. So he says, I think, uh, might not be the exact line, but he definitely says busy little creatures. Yeah. Striking how casual he says this line, and how he refers to them like they're bees or something, or beavers. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's not, he doesn't seem to see them as being... Um, particularly particularly menacing but at the same time you get the idea he knows more about them than anybody else except maybe ripley yeah and like given what you know you you know what you learn about him later you almost wonder like is this a is this suggested as a you know like a a foreshadowing tip of like him rubbing his hands together and he's got dollar signs in his eyes and like oh these guys are these little busy bees are crazy and, 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 and coming up with all this stuff and they're so busy and they're dynamic and weird and oh my God, I'm going to be rich and the company's going to give me a corner office and stuff. And, you know, it doesn't sound like that now, like in the scene when you're watching it, but uh, I wonder if that was part of the intent or something. Yeah. Maybe he's thinking, Oh, they will be perfect at building, you know, structures to uphold the dilithium mines. (laughs) Whatever. Yeah. Whatever it is, he's thinking that they're going to do for them. 
but yeah, it does seem he's more fascinated with them as being like functional workers, like here in this moment. Yeah. Even though you're right, you could go right past this line if you don't know what happens later and not think anything of it. But it's clearly kind of strange. You'd think of that the yuppie businessman wearing the Eddie Bauer clothes <laughs> would be the most like nervous and kind of just frightened yeah. by this whole thing, and he's pretty casual about it. He's pretty casual, and he's also pretty. Uh, it's pretty thoughtless too when you think about it. Like you, he knows what Ripley went through with these busy little creatures, and he's and he's and he sounds not quite affectionate, but almost you know like you know, at least kind of weirdly admiring of them. <laughs> and you know anything that he would say short of these things are disgusting, we must kill them all, would be offensive to uh, to Ripley, I would think. Yeah, no, he's exceptionally glib. Yeah, yeah. And Newt is there, too. Now, she just experienced all this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she has, like, super post-traumatic stress. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, he, and he's basically going, oh, cool, right, guys? You gotta hand it to those creatures that killed your family. Look at them go. Yeah, and there's also the kind of aspect of, oh, busy little creatures, aren't they? While you guys are sitting there armed to the teeth and will have to uh, face and kill them and be killed. Meanwhile, <laughs> I'm going to hang out in here in my little computer van. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you guys are going to get out of this one. Those guys are busy. <laughs> Sucks to well, be you. Yes. The real go-getters in there, guys. <laughs> be careful. So we get to Frost uh, makes a comment about the temperature. We already kind of, well, I think that you actually said it in the intro. Frost says, it's hot as hell in here. Yeah. Which is another one of our, you know, we almost should have a sound effect or theme music for Echoes of Alien. Um this is another echo back from, you know, harking back to Kane as he's rappelling down into the egg chamber mm-hmm. in the dairy. Oh, yeah. Of course, you know, Frost is an American, good old fashioned American. So he's like, ah, oh, it's hot as hell in here. Yeah. And then we get Kane, our, our, our prepper British gentleman saying, oh, it's hot as the goddamn tropics down here. That's so much more British how he puts it. But yeah. Hot as hell. So it's nice. It's a nice little change, but it's exactly it. And I think you're supposed to think like, oh, shit, where are we? Because the last time we heard somebody say it's hot in here, mm-hmm. uh, that person got face hugged. So right. <laughs> we might know what's happening next. So it's it's a pretty cool little you know beat that we have. Of, it's like simultaneous echoing and foreshadowing, right? Right. But, you know, in this particular minute, we don't get the response, but in the next minute, we'll talk about why the response to this is, is interesting, considering those uh, that context. Yeah. Do you, <laughs> given what you said before about the lines uh, changing characters uh, through the different drafts, do you think somebody else had this line and then Cameron slapped his forehead? He's like, Frost! Frost has to be the guy who complains <laughs> that it's too hot. Of course, it's got to be Frost! Mr. Cold Miser. Yeah, maybe. I'm Now I'm, like, scrolling through the script. <laughs> Where it is. <laughs> is it? Oh, man, I thought I just saw it. Sorry, we're going to probably have to cut. Nope. It is Frost that says hotter than hell in here. Okay. So, And surprisingly, the next line, I, w- I would have actually guessed that maybe this was like a Paxton creation, but it's not. But anyway, we, it's not until tomorrow. Because right now, we don't have any idea what he's going to say. That's true. He just he says, yeah. agrees that it is hot, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but. Like yeah, the but... tracker, it'll just keep us, we'll just be in suspense. Yeah. Nope. We'll just keep ticking on through until tomorrow. Indeed. God, is that true? What a nightmare. I, yeah. <laughs> People turn off the show and they just keep hearing the tracker for the rest of the day. 
Oh man, oh, my God. so effective, so effective though. It is, it is. It really works well. It's a really well directed minute. I mean, even just, well, you know, you know, all the characters, not all the characters, but like you get little character beats from like Bill Paxton, like looking wide eyed and stupid, from Vasquez looking tough. <laughs> Um, no. you know, from Apone shouting orders at people, uh, you get like, you know, all the dialogue kind of describes the place in a way that, I mean, I guess technically it's all steamy. You could tell it was hot, but having it be said feels much better. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I think that, yeah, you do need that kind of on the nose line to, if you're going to play around with the ideas of sequel, right? So we're, we're it's a sequel. You got to play around with the idea of reminding people of what they saw the last time this shit happened. Yeah, like you got to you got to remind them. You got to have some people say the same thing that somebody said sometimes, or at least you don't have to, but at least it's fun, and at least it plays with the audience's emotions a little bit. For you know those who saw Alien enough in 1986 mm-hmm. to remember that Kane said that, or even if it's in the back of their mind, I think it's fun. Yeah, but yeah. At the same time, you're right. It's always good to you know good to remind the audience however you can what it feels like in the movie it's yeah. it's something that a lot of lesser films won't ever touch on it's one of it's kind of a flaw of a lot of films sometimes is that they forget about weather they forget about how it feels to actually have physically inhabit the movie and how much mileage you can get out of that from uh with an audience if if you let them kind of feel that too so you know obviously like a great example being uh, do the right thing and how mm. much you, how immersed in that neighborhood you feel because of how how well shot it is and how insanely odd it feels. No, and every character is drenched in sweat. It is, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, playing with te- you know using temperature is using temperature is something that a lot of directors seem to forget. I mean, and when it's done well, it's amazing. Like you know, look at the thing, John Carpenter's the thing. Oh yeah, um, you know, yeah. it feels really cold, and not just because it's snowing, right. No, and then yeah, and then cold and fear put together. That's a, that's a great combination. Mm-hmm. One of the, I, one of the things that I think makes the thing so effective is that you know if you're like nervous and in suspense, and then you're also kind of feeling feeling the chill of it all. Yeah. That's a good yeah. combination. Hot's not bad either, but yeah, it's working for this. But again, I think mostly because you're reminded of of what you saw before. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what really is most effective about the the temperature suggestion in this minute. I just um, it just occurred to me right now. Do you think Predator consciously stole the idea of um, I can't think of the technical name for the Predator alien, so I'm just going to call him the Predator. Uh, do you think they uh, consciously stole the idea of like the predators have to hunt in like super tropical climates? Oh, hmm, that's a good that's a good question. I don't know because I'm not sure the timing would work because I feel like it wasn't Predator. Predator had to have been in production already by the time this movie came out, right? Because it came out in the summer of eight. Yeah, it came out in the summer of 87. I think so you're right, I yeah. think that, yes, it would have already been in production, but uh, you never know. There's something, I mean, there's obvious correlations, really obvious correlations between Alien and Predator because they've been mm. forced yeah. on us. But there are also ones that if you never had another Predator movie and never had the suggestion that they ever had battles against each other. If they were um, both owned by 20th Century Fox. <laughs> right. But you get the idea, you know, I'm not an expert on the pre-production of, you know, where Predator came from entirely, but you get the idea that they, they sort of thought, well, what if, what if Alien, what if the Alien from Alien 
were to come to Earth, right? And and then, you know, obviously we can't use that alien, so let's create our own. But you get the idea that maybe there was a little bit of that suggestion, like in the in the initial premise mm-hmm. of the elevator pitch of the movie. Uh, you know, Stephen D'Souza, I can't remember who wrote the original script, but um, yeah, somebody may have just made that suggestion. It's like, what if the alien from Alien came to Earth? And that's your pitch, you know? Yeah. So I, I definitely get the correlation. I, I, I mean, I not wish... to mention it's also an alien versus a bunch of guys with guns, which is what aliens, yeah. you know, if you, if you really want to boil it down. And aliens is great, don't get me wrong. And also, don't get me wrong, Predator is great. <laughs> but um yeah there are a lot of like like if you were to really break it down into a sentence it's kind of the same movie yeah yeah if you broke it down into the sentence i specifically broke it down to <laughs> <laughs> well not to get too much into predator but you get the idea and i think i think it's true that a lot of what predator ended up being was shaped by schwarzenegger's involvement in it like if you had a different mm-hmm. actor, for, for instance, playing that that role, mm-hmm. if it were a Harrison Ford or if something, that we might have gotten something. <laughs> it would Richard Dreyfus would have made a much different movie, right? Um, but even if Harrison Ford was leading this troop of guys, you know, you'd have a different movie. It might even be a little closer to the Alien sort of yeah. tone, yeah. but because Schwarzenegger came in, they amped it up to Schwarzenegger. Yeah, they made it basically a a live-action cartoon. You know, in a great way, but that's what it is. You know, like, aliens, there is actual, like, drama. (laughs) And, you know, Predator, you could say that the the original pitch was, you know, what if the alien from Alien came to Earth, and then once Schwarzenegger signed on, you could just add, and Commando happened, too, you know, at the same time. (laughs) Just add Commando. And that's great. And again, that's not a criticism. I love Predator. I love that film. I, yeah. Totally on its own merits. And I don't really think a lot about how it compares to Alien at all uh, mm-hmm. when I'm watching it. But I think it's a good point that there are some correlations. I just wish that those, uh, a lot of that wasn't forced down our throats over the you know decades since those movies came out, personally. Yeah. But, you know, to everyone who enjoys the AVP movies, good on you. I'm glad you do. I really, do. <laughs> I really am. I just didn't. I don't understand so, why, but, you know, congratulations nonetheless. Again, I don't have to understand why. You enjoy what you enjoy on your own merits. That's it. I, I, does that have anything to do with me? I think they're right. wrong. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I'll take from Tom. <laughs> Dang, Tom. Tom goes out on a controversial note today. Well, um, that's all I've got for this minute. You guys have anything else? That's it for me. I'm good in the hood. All right. Well, uh, Joe, do you have an online presence that you want to alert anyone to? I forgot to ask you before we started recording, but if you don't, <laughs> that's perfectly fine. Um, I'm working on something, but currently not, so let's not worry about it. Uh, why don't we just say I'm an ABC Devo, and that's enough. Okay. And Tom, how about you? You want to let people know where they can find your show or shows or however else they want to... Yeah, aside from the aforementioned ABC Devo, uh, you can find me on the Indiana Jones Minute at indianajonesminute.com. And you can also find me at Caddyshack Minute at caddyshackminute.com. Oh, oh my oh, God. Oh, Caddyshack. Oh, my God. Let me know when you get to Caddyshack 2, because that no. I have a lot of opinions. <laughs> well, you're going to skip over. Don't worry. Yeah, I was going to say, I have a feeling you're going to be waiting a while. Because yeah. nobody's talking about that movie. 
Uh, of course, you can find us at AlienMinute.com or on Twitter at AlienMinutePod, on Instagram at AlienMinutePodcast. You can also come over to our Tee Public page and check out some of our designs, uh, Colonial Marine designs for, you know, if you want to get a t-shirt that has some Colonial Marine graffiti on it, we got them over there at Tee Public. Also, it is Monday, so that's the day that we thank the makers, Pete the Retailer and Alex Robinson, for coming up with the concept of Star Wars Minute and loaning it out to us for Alien. Thanks again, guys, for doing that. And uh, all right, guys, well, that's going to do it for Minute number 56. We'll see you tomorrow for Minute 57.